Blog Talk Radio. And here oh. I am. Hang on a second. Let me, uh, <laughs> yes, here we are. Uh, let me, anyway, your show will begin in five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Blog Talk Radio. Here we go. <laughs> this is all about all wine. about wine. The talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's all right. Well, there's nothing like me being late. <laughs> you know, it's a first. I don't remember that ever happening in the past. Uh, what are we in January? I don't remember this happening in the past uh, long time, so. You know, not, it, not this year. Anyways, it, you know. it, yeah, it's a live show, and uh, you know, uh, well, things happen. So, I, I I suppose I can give an excuse. Uh, my sister oh. is down visiting me from uh, Kansas City, and we, well, yeah, yesterday we went down to Tarpon Springs, which is the Greek community down here. In fact, I mentioned on the show, I think a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, or about the Epiphany celebration down there and all that, and the big Greek community down there in Tarpons. Well, we went down in Tarpon Springs to the Sponge Docks and walked around. Well, they have great Greek restaurants and stuff down there and great Greek, Greek bakeries. And we we stopped and had ourselves a Eero sandwich, which there was like, not kidding, an inch and a half, two inches of meat on this Eero. It was a complete meal in itself. And stopped by a Greek pastry shop and bought a, a big box of different pastries. And so she says, oh, it's time for pastries. So she goes in the kitchen and cuts a piece of each one of these pastries, one for the wife, one for her, and one for me, and one for my mother-in-law, and, and divide it all up. And there's like six different pastries sitting on that plate. And I'm sitting there and enjoying these pastries with a glass of milk and just really having a good time. And the 7 o'clock news pops up on the radio. And, um, well, before the news, they say, tonight we have the law and order. And I'm thinking, well, law and order is the night that comes on when I do the show. And I'm going, oh, no. And I go running into the den here and hook up. So <laughs> I was just a couple minutes late, but... Oh my gosh! I just it just yeah. I'm indulging in these pastries, these decadent pastries, and I. Did you go to uh, just, 
was it Hella's? Uh, what's that? What's that place? Uh, they have a bakery too. Uh, Hella's uh, in Tarpon yeah. Springs, I think, is one of the. Every time I go there, that's where, that's where Hella's. I, I yeah, to, that's where we went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like they authentic have, stuff. There. They have display cool. cases that are like six feet across, and there's <laughs> like four of them with two layers of pastries on each one. So. It's yeah, and I mean every one of them is good. We we just so so I made it. We have a guest. I don't know where he is. Grant Reynolds is supposed to be with us tonight. Um, and that's another thing that I'm negligent on. I usually send out a reminder email to guests, mm-hmm. and I did not send one out to him. Let me look here and see if uh maybe he's watching uh maybe he's watching Law and Order. Maybe he's watching Law and Order. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yes, he's blocked off on his calendar. Uh, Could be a time zone. Maybe he's in. Uh, what's the next one over? Central. Yeah. Maybe he's Central. In Central. Could be in the Central time zone. Any other than he's ours. For- <laughs> yeah. Why well, I'm I'm looking at these emails and they're they're messed up. Hmm. Uh, well. Uh, uh, Yes, he's boss. Well, this, well, these emails are messed up. It's it, the response to hers on her email, and then I got the one to you where I sent. But yeah, yeah, huh? I don't know. Well, he's supposed to be joining us, and he was confirmed last week. Uh, they usually, and it says he's blocked off, uh, and ready to be on with us, but no phone call. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is just running late or confused or I don't know, but well, I guess I need to scramble here and find yeah, something to talk about until he yeah, decides he to join us. Yeah. yeah, get some background music so we can figure out what I'm going to talk about here. I've been doing taxes yeah. and preparing for it to go take the test, and before I submit. The test, I had one of the supervisors of the tax. Uh, well, here's the note I sent. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Hmm. And so I uh, uh, had supervisor go through it, and he found a few mistakes. He said, check this on, on your test. And I'm trying to get back into the website that I practice on, and it won't let me back in. I don't know why or what's going on. I'm trying everything. It says your 
username is wrong. So I found, Ooh. I sent in my email address, and it said, well, these are the two usernames we found. So I tried logging in using those usernames, and it won't let me in on those. And I don't, you know, so I can't correct my tests unless I can get in. It's just not been cooperative with me this week. Not a good yeah. yeah, so okay, well, is, is that what I want? Where's where's the email that I want? Or the website that I want? I can't it's not here for some reason. Hmm. Being the recorded show we would cut all this out and you would That's just right. the intro if, and then it, we're not live. I see people writing. I I belong to a podcast group, and uh, people write in and say, you know, I'm looking for somebody to edit my show and take all the uhs yep. and all that, and I'm going to just do it live. You don't have to worry about it then. You know. They'll be right in there, and you can just skip right over them. There's actually, there's actually um, AI software um, that you can upload your you know, show or MP3 to or talk show or whatever, and it can go through and edit a lot of that stuff out for you. Oh, really? Um, like that one. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's, it's, there's, it, it's a pay service. I've, I've seen three of them so far, uh, but I'm, I'm like, I don't need to – subscribe to this kind of stuff because we're a live show, but in the event uh, you can, <laughs> it can go through and AI can take out those kind of words and, and hmm. spaces and gaps. And wow. <laughs> How that's far have we come in audio? And oh. stuff? It is. I would that, know that, but. Um, that's yeah. just the AI is going to be so. I don't know. I can't even think of the word to describe it. Hey, AI, help me. What word to describe you? Uh, <laughs> me. I, you know, it's just going to be so phenomenal. I mean, most of the stuff, you can't tell if it's AI or if it's um, real yeah. or, you know, it's, I, uh, what was it? I saw a picture of something the other day and they said, this picture is totally and completely AI oriented, and wow, it was it was a scene, a, a winter scene, a mountain scene, or something. And they said it was totally AI oriented to get this scene, and it, it was just amazing. It was looked like mm -hmm. the mountains of of Colorado or something, and it was just all AI. You know, that's it yeah. just uh, it's uh, it's it's just fascinating mm -hmm. and scary, you know. So, uh, well, there's I don't know. there's issues with that technology. I think we saw some issues with technology, particularly in the electronic uh, vehicle um, issues <laughs> this past uh, was it a few days. Well, they have it listed uh, on the news from like a day or two ago um, that not only you know these EVs like Teslas and all that oh, they don't yeah. charge as quickly cold and oh. you get a, a range loss and it says it can go from 10 to 30 
36% is what Fortune Magazine is saying. So um, you get that much of a loss because, yeah, because of uh, cold weather. And um, there was, uh, what was that uh, near Chicago? I think they had some major issues, but uh, definite struggles if you have an electric uh, vehicle like a Tesla or something in there. I'm not singling them out, but, yeah, I'm singling them out. And they're saying the same thing in real hot weather too that they it overheats uh when you get oh, yeah. real hot weather with them so you know if you have the ideal driving temperature in the range then it's great for you to own a uh ev but otherwise mm-hmm. you need to be a little concerned if you're going to go anywhere um yeah but i'm not ready to yeah. trust them I'm not issues, sure. you, know, you can't go through something that's just I, I don't i don't know uh if you have one you know good luck to you but uh after seeing the the extremes here you can't i don't know it's just not so it's not right yet a uh, give hybrid. it a little bit hybrids i can understand mm-hmm. because then you can click the thing into uh uh yeah into the gas mode if you if you need but 100 mm-hmm. percent electric i it's just a little like soon i think for the Everything that yeah. it could affect it, and it, I agree with you. If you have one out there, then you know, good for you. If you're not having an issue, fantastic. But uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just not ready for one yet. You know, yeah. speaking yeah. of cars and and drivers, uh, Danica Patrick has a wine. I don't know if ever, anybody's aware of that. She has a wine. She just opened up her tasting room in Calistoga, and uh, she's. Uh, Doing tastings in Calistoga, uh, hmm. uh, it's. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the name Danica Patrick's a, a female race car driver. She's retired now, but yes. she has a, a winery that she's opened up. I've been. Uh, she so, opened so, uh, Somnion. Somnion. Yeah. Near, Som- yeah. Somion wine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she, she's got a tasting room open in, uh, Sarat- uh, in uh, Saratoga, now, I think it is. Uh, but uh, quite successful uh, female driver, one of the first female drivers, and actually won, you know, won, I think, two or three races in her career. Which is not bad because there's some drivers that don't win any in their whole career. So, you know, but uh, she has her tasting room open, and, and uh, uh, somnion, somnion, yeah, means dream in Latin. She says, and so uh, cool. she. I forgot to forgot to go live on. Flatline Radio. That's man, we're really oh. having a day today. I, I went late with, late with the video and it, hello, Flatline. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was uh, late and there's listeners. Threw you all off and everything. That should be fun on Flatline Radio yeah. when you replay it Saturday. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the recording is starting now too. Oh wow. Um, yeah. hmm, interesting. You probably you've missed the first uh, 17 minutes of the show, so um, <laughs> which might be a good thing because it was a rocky start to begin with. But <laughs> we're here now and uh, getting caught up. Um, so I still don't have the uh, 
We're supposed to have a guest today, but or tonight, but don't have one yet. So uh, showed up. Let me double check and see. Nope, not yet. Uh, email or anything, you know, update. Yeah. Um, hmm. Oh well, um, we'll we'll find stuff to talk about. Yeah. We we have stuff out there in the wine world that is just interesting for everyone and all that. Uh, they're compliant with bottle bill, just one month away for wine, uh, wine and spirits. That is, I think that's the California compliance. As soon as this loads, I'll let you know. Uh, oh, I'll get a little thicker power there. There's no storm or anything going through, but it could be everybody turning on heat. And, you know, it's cold here in Florida, and it's supposed to be cold over the next, you know, two days, and it's going to warm up. So, well, it's not loading for me. I can't tell you about what that says because it's not loading. I, I hope it's not an issue with all of my sites tonight. Uh, Well, let's see. For some reason, that is not. Well, I don't know. It's not loading. Let me get out of this and look at the next one and see if there's something here that. Uh, well, this. Oh, here. Interesting here. Uh, investigators have not made any arrests and have no suspect information. It's the story is a mysterious person entered a Washington State winery over Thanksgiving holiday and drained thousands of gallons of wine from the facility, causing estimated damage of over six hundred thousand dollars. Wow, Sparkman Cellars which is family-owned and operated, was the subject of the vandalism in November of uh, this, year, this last year, November 22nd. Uh, employees left for the holiday vacation. Someone was caught on surveillance cameras entering the winery and doing the damage. A white man can be seen gushing out of a st- um, the white wine. White man, my mistake. White wine can be seen gushing out of a steel tank where it was waiting to be bottled. Uh, Despite alarms sounding of, despite alarms sounding throughout the building, two 2,500 gallon tanks of white wine unloaded onto the floor of the winery. Wow. Surveillance cameras caught the suspect exiting the building with an umbrella as the wine continued to pour from the tanks. The incident was discovered two days later uh, when they returned from their Thanksgiving break. Uh, They have not made any arrests and they have no suspects. The cameras did catch the suspect wearing a cowboy hat and poncho. Uh, So uh, (laughs) there you go. Any information on what happened, call the police. Wow, it's uh, surveillance cameras. Cameras are great, but that did not stop it from uh, draining the uh, over sixty. What did I say? I'm flicking around. Let me go back to it here. Uh, Six hundred thousand dollars worth of wine 
and uh, two tanks of 2,500 or 5,000 gallons of wine, of white wine. Wow. So no suspects, no one caught yet. So that's uh, uh, that happened last uh, last Thanksgiving. Let's see wine exporting of wine. Uh, uh, Vintage of 2023 predicted to be the vintage of a lifetime in Napa Valley. They say that a lot, though, don't they? Vintage of a lifetime in different areas. I think it is a preemptive statement to get people excited about a vintage. Um, I don't know. It just seems like the preemptive thing that people that areas say just to get people excited about it. Uh, Illinois grape growers prepared to take on the invasive lanternfly. It's worked its way west, and it's in Illinois. Um, I made it from Pennsylvania to Indiana into Illinois now, through Ohio and Indiana. Uh, so uh, it's working its way west, which is not good. Oh, uh, let's see. Nothing else there. Let's go on to the next page and see what's there. Uh, uh, oh, boy. Here we go. We were talking about artificial intelligence, AI. Here is a story that goes right along with what we were talking about. This says... AI can tell a wine's vineyard with 100% accuracy. It says, AI may have just replaced another profession, wine tasters. Excuse me. It says that uh, uh, applying machine learning tools to chemical data, data Researchers say they have succeeded in identifying with 100% accuracy the molecular signature of red wines from seven major estates in the Bordeaux region. Uh, University of Geneva uh, and the Institute of Vine and Wine Science at the University of Bordeaux say their method, published in uh, Communications Chemistry, could pave the way for new tools to combat wine counterfeits. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it's been said by sommeliers that each wine has a taste unique to its own vineyard and the soil it was grown in. AI agrees. Researchers use gas chemotography mass spectrometry. Chromatography. Now, gas chromatography and mass spectrometry to analyze the chemical makeup of 80 red wines harvested from seven estates in Bordeaux between 1990 and 2007. They then proceed uh, to process these data with machine learning, a field of AI in which algorithms learn to identify recurring patterns in sets of information. And this method allows them to take into account each wine's complete uh, 
picograms, which can comprise up to three or 30,000 points, including background noise, and to summarize each chromatram into two X and Y co coordinates after eliminating unnecessary variables. This process is called dimensionality reduction, AI. Placing these coordinates on a graph, researchers were able to see seven clouds of data points. They found that each of these clouds grouped together vintages from the same Bordeaux estate on the basis of their chemical crossover. And they continue to say this allowed us to show that each estate does have its own chemical signature. We also observed that three lines were grouped together on the far on the right and four on the left, which corresponds to the two banks of the drone on which these estates are located. <laughs> AI. This clumping of data, though defined, was relatively broad, revealing that the chemical identity of wines is drawn from a chemical spectrum. They said, our results show that it is possible to identify the geographical origin of a wine with 100% accuracy by applying dimensionality reduction techniques to gas chromatograms. It's uh, even more AI. There you go. I mean, they were able to uh, tell exactly the vineyards and the wines and where it was grown and all that stuff. So uh, AI does it again. I am sure we will continue to hear more and more stories along that line of what AI is doing in the wine field. Um, this is an article that's interesting simply because I live in Florida and uh, it's about Florida. Uh, Representative filed a bill that would remove Florida's limit on a maximum volume of any wine container. Right now, there is a maximum amount that you can fill up for wine. And he has, uh, well, it's actually Representative Chip LaMarca from uh, the Lighthouse Point District. Uh, under Florida law, wine selling of more than one gallon in an individual container is banned. And state law does do, uh, permits uh, qualified distributors and manufacturers can sell uh, same to sell wine to others of the same title in any size bottle, but individuals can't do it. Well, uh, he is proposing a uh, reusable bottle holding 5.16 gallons, and uh, the law currently includes a provision declaring wine sold off-premises by a vendor must be in an unopened original container. And uh, he is saying this is ridiculous. Uh, criminal penalty, and it is a criminal penalty for selling oversized wine containers, is a second-degree misdemeanor with fines and potential jail time. And he's saying that that is ridiculous. He uh, wants to cut down on that and make wine available in any size container uh, to 
uh, Florida customers, Florida consumers. He's saying the time is ripe to repel this unnecessary burden on Florida consumers, which it is, yeah. That's selling in big bottles. I mean, you know, I doubt very many wineries are going to do it anyway. They might, but, you know, I would never sell it in, in a container that holds 5.16 gallons. Wow, that's that's a big jug there. So, but he's saying let's make it legal. So, you know, uh, the old Florida tweak there to what they're doing. Uh Let's see. I'm well. Uh, Programming high. Uh, nothing else in that section. Let's look in the next one. Uh, oh, it's a national. That's a support state for a lawsuit challenging Oh, uh, prediction of trends, and uh, I usually do this before a show. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, we had a guest scheduled for tonight, and we, for some reason, he missed the date. We'll get him on. It's not a problem, actually. Uh, but I, if I don't have a guest, I don't go through and start checking things that uh, we can talk about and I really did think he was going to be on and for some reason he missed I missed it uh, direct to consumers National Association of Wine Retailers announced his support today for a lawsuit challenging a discriminatory and protectionist California restriction on out-of-state wineries selling directly to California retailers and restaurants. They said the archaic law is part of a protectionist system of alcohol regulations that limits retailer access to products, also consumer access to the growing national marketplace for wine and wineries access to retailers. So they are challenging along with the other lawsuits. So this is a good thing. They're getting uh, getting in there and, and uh, trying to get it so you can ship from other states into California. Uh, it was followed by Washington State uh, and Washington State Winery against the California Alcoholic and Beverage Control saying it's discriminatory that you cannot uh, sell wine from one state to the other. There, uh, it says it violates the Commerce Clause in U.S. Constitution uh, as decided by the 2005 Supreme Court decision. So they're trying to do it. There's other states uh, that have similar laws that are being challenged. Now, Iowa is uh, barring Iowa retailers from purchasing directly from out-of-state wineries. Idaho is barring Idaho retailers from purchasing beer directly from out-of-state brewers. And New York is barring retailers from purchasing from out-of-state wineries. So this is all coming under these laws and trying to open it up so that they can sell directly to consumers and to uh, people within the state. Uh, Wine-producing regions in places like Missouri, 
Michigan, Texas, Idaho, Arizona, Virginia, New York, and other states have uh, matured significantly over the past 20 years, it says. And they're starting to uh, use the, boy, my light's flicking. Why is my light flicking? Is it going bad? I hope not. Um, it, yeah, I think it is. It's a, uh, I think I just burned out my head. It's a circle light. It's a uh, hmm, circle light. I'm, I think I might have a another one here. I'll have to look and see after the show. Excuse me. So, uh, this is uh, a new litigation that's going on right now, and is since we've got other big National Association of Wine Retailers and stuff like that getting behind it. Looks like it could stop a lot of these archaic wine laws about distribution and stuff, which would help all of us. That means that we can start getting direct shipments from wineries around the country coming in, and we don't have to worry about, well, we can't ship to you, and we can't ship to you, so we're going to have to and, you know, you, you can't get it from this winery. In fact, you know what I mean, because a lot of times we talk to wineries, and they'll say, yeah, there's certain ones we can't ship to. You're going to have to check the chart that we have on our shipping page and see who we can ship to and who we can't. And maybe this is the first step to stop that and start getting it so that they can be shipped directly to people just about anywhere. And so uh, it's it's a... A step, a step in the right direction, I think. Oh, let's see what else we got here. Will new grape varieties change the identity of classic wine regions? Uh, long article, basically. Let me go back down to the bottom line here and see what it says here. Regions for uh, reasons for the change is because of climate change. And they're trying out new grapes that will grow in different regions around the world. And not just one particular region, but everywhere around the world. And some places are embracing the new grapes that are actually hybrids of the older grapes. What am I, getting an echo here for some reason? Uh, Actually getting a hybrid of the older grapes in getting a new generation that will survive in warmer climates and less requiring less water and, and uh, tasting the same as the current one. So that's, yes, it's new grapes will be able to take over and replace some of the older grapes. New names, but basically the same thing. You're not going to see a, a big a big difference in it. No, what I do is wrong. Uh, I clicked all the wrong thing here. There we go. Okay. Um, and let's see what else we've got here that we can, bits of information we can pass on. Oh, white and rosé wines now account for more than half of global consumption. 
It was red wines dominated the world consumption for a long time. Now rosés and whites have stepped up and are accounting for over half. That is absolutely amazing, I think, because red has always been the go-to wine. The U.S., China, and Germany are the biggest red wine drinkers, followed by France and Italy. Both China and the U.S. recorded rising consumption in the past two, ca two decades, but uh, data shows China drinking has slumped from its peak in 2017, and France consumption, once the biggest red wine consumer, has fallen by almost half since the start of the, uh, this century. So, excuse me. So it seems there's a boom in rosé and, and sparkling wines and white wines, which is taking, which has taken over, not is, has taken over uh, red wine dominance in the world. Uh, since the start of uh, this century, since around 2000, red wine has declined in Germany, the UK, France, Spain, and it's uh, all brands of red wine and white wines have jumped up. Red wines are at about 47% consumption right now, whereas white wines are... Uh, Let's see, white and red wines have risen by 10 and 17%, or white and rosé, rather, have risen by 10 and 17%. So, more white wines being consumed in rosés than red wines. Uh, surprised me. I didn't think I'd see the day. But more and more people are drinking. I mean, if you think about that, it makes sense, because more and more people are drinking wines and because more and more people are drinking wines uh it's the lighter ones the white ones pinot grigio i mean the wine of choice for quite some time now and uh same thing with rosés rosés are really becoming mainstream you're, you're finding them all over the place all the time now uh that is a big a big category there and that's jumping up and you start adding the rosés and the whites and how whites are starting to catch hold by a lot of people then it's really understandable that the reds are losing ground and you know you're still going to find the category of people who like the red wines and who like the bold reds and the and the big reds but you're finding a lot of new drinkers uh millennials particularly who like a lighter wine like something that's softer uh, and the rosés are one of the things that seems to be uh, catching on a lot with the millennials. So that's why that category has jumped up so much. Uh, <coughs> you have heard me complain for years about the three-tier system we are working under. If you've listened to any of my past rants, you've heard about how I hate the three-tier system. And... There, it's, this article states that the three-tier system is actually hurting American wines and American wineries. And I agree. I've said that over and over again. Uh, the uh, American wines are being pushed out of the marketplace in a lot of different areas because of the three-tier system. And uh, the reason for that is is, is the price. The, the, 
you get it directly from the winery, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. You get it from the winery to a distributor to a store, and it's going to cost you X amount more because the winery wants this much, and the store wants this much, and the distributor wants their cut. Uh, details on Southern Glacier holding 60% of the SKUs or SKUs from outside the United States. Wine.com, the largest on uh, online retailer, inventories 70% of their wines from outside of the United States. And total wine and more SKUs consist of 56.5% of product from outside the United States. So all these different uh, importers are bringing in and using wines from outside the United States, uh, it can be deduced that some of the major players in the three-tier system are screwing their offerings toward foreign producers and not so much American wineries. And it's because, well, this says, two solutions toward helping American wineries make foreign wines more expensive and less attractive and provide more opportunity to U.S. wineries. The way to provide more opportunity to U.S. wineries is start using smaller wineries and start getting out there. Now, now that's my statement. That's not this article's. And so, but it says that the three-tier system, when you start looking at it, is starting to hurt American wines because it's bringing in foreign wines and foreign wineries are being used and it's not helping American wineries at all. And they're also saying this the solution, you know, the anti-dumping actions uh, that have been done is not helping American wineries either. And artificially higher prices on foreign wine could hurt everybody because it's going to hurt the other, the foreign wineries and all that. Just, you know, bounce it out, people, bounce it out. But again, the three-tier system manipulates what's going on out there so much that it's, uh, it's, it's I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, Let's see what else. Ungrafted vines hit the silver screen. What does this article say? Uh, oh, this is one of those long articles. I'm not going to go through this. Uh, it's talking about uh, creature. Uh, about ungrafted vines is uh, making a movie. Uh, hmm. uh, I don't know. It's it's too long to try to go through it with you here. I don't like going through those real long, uh, real long articles, especially if I have not read them and dissected them. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, uh, that's no good. Turning it. No, that's not. Uh, uh, future of Napa's long gone winding order remains murky. No. World of Pinot Noir is here. Uh, that's 
happy 40th anniversary Willamette Valley American Viticultural Area. 40 years, huh? Uh, nothing, nothing. Uh, no, nothing on that page. Let me see. There's uh, Wisconsin law overhauls industry, no. e commerce, VIP uh, county experience station 15. No, on Mexicans are consuming more wines and planting more vines uh, a little south of the border uh, is uh, Mexicans now drink 1.3 liters of wine per capita compared to only 2.25 milliliters 25 years ago uh, consumption has increased by about six times in the last two decades so Mexicans have found wine as a popular drink, getting away from some of the harder stuff that has always been the mainstay in Mexico. Uh, and it says they're moved toward quality. Uh, they talk about what wineries here. Uh, origin of wines consumed in Mexico. Oh, yeah, Mexico has jumped up. Uh, A little bit here. Uh, Italy, Chile has jumped up. Argentina, you know, overall wine production and wine consumption in Mexico has uh, taken off. So in 1996, there were only seven commercial wineries in Mexico, but today the country boosts over 400 spread around 16 different regions. So, wow, Mexican, Mexico and Mexican wine is becoming a thing. I haven't looked for any in the store. I don't know if they have any there or not. Uh, that might be my next project to see if I can't find any Mexican wines uh, in the store. Uh, the tax is a major problem, the article says, though. Uh, taxes represent roughly 42% of the cost of wine in Mexico. 42%? Geez. Wines are taxed at 16% IVA, the value tax that's added, with an additional IEPS or luxury tax of 26 to 30%, which makes wine very expensive. Well, yeah, I can see with extra taxes like that. So if you try to put wine on the dining table every day, it's going to get very expensive, but uh, it has still increased in Mexico. Mexican wine facts, 16 wine regions, 400 plus commercial wineries as of 2022, 9,000 hectares of vineyards uh, aimed for making wine and juice, 50 grape varieties currently growing for wine. 100 grape varieties being tested in experimental plantings. 100. They're probably doing weather, uh, you know, heat and all that in the new plantings. Mexico ranks 33rd globally in terms of wine production. 
The Mexican wine industry has a market value of $2.4 billion, that's U.S. dollars, and is the second source of employment in the country's agricultural sector. Wow, that's something. Wine production in Mexico reached 39.6 million liters in 2022. Mexico wine has a global market share of 0.13%. Of every 10 bottles of wine sold in Mexico, three are Mexican, which is not bad. It's stepping up there, considering that just within the last few years, they've increased so many wineries in the country. Uh, oh, here's some more information. This is a point. Wine consumption in Mexico has grown from 2.25 milliliter per capita in 2003 to 1.3 liters per capita in 2023, and is predicted to increase to 2 liters by 2030. Point. Mexican wines domestic market share are tripled over the past two decades, from 10% to 34%. Point, Mexico currently produces 39.6 million liters of wine per annum. In 2023 revenue, that was worth $986.1 million, with the market expected to grow annually by 3.23%. Point, in 1996, there were only seven commercial wineries in Mexico. Today, there are over 400 spanning 16 regions. Point Mexico has a new wine region. West Central Nariet is home to the Mesita del Cleo project, founded in 2019 with European wines. Its first vintage was in 2022. Point an official Mexican Wine Day, October the 17th, was declared in 2023 by the Consejo Mexicano uh, Vitrincola, oh, that's it, Vitrincola, or the Mexican Wine Council. And point, the Mexican wine industry is moving towards a protected geographical indication approach with plans for zonification studies underway in Baja, California, in Cuatero. So they're going to have... Protected areas, just like we have here in the United States in our AVAs, and just like they have in, uh, no, I don't have a light. I was going to make a note about this, but about the, uh, Mexican wine day, but I don't have a light. No, I can still see through the computer light. Uh, Mexican Wine Day. Wine Day is, that's why I can put it on my calendar so we can be sure to celebrate it, October 17th. All right. There, we can, we can celebrate that day. Uh, Okay, and importers and distributors have a list here in commerce sites from Mexico and Mexican sommeliers and wine experts, so a list of that too, and all sorts of stuff here for Mexico. So, Mexico, uh, if you see any wineries or, or any wine from Mexican wineries, try it. Let me know. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, with over 400 wineries, I'm sure there are 
possibilities out there, lots of possibilities of us finding ones that we can we can try and we can talk about. Uh, the winemaker Gurgich, G-R-G-I-C-H, you, I am sure, have seen his wine on the shelf. A lot of times it's very expensive, but he was the founder of Gurgich Winery uh, from Croatia originally, but the founder and winemaker for uh, Gurgich Winery. Uh, worldwide attention is Napa Chardonnay was award-winning all over the world. He passed away 100 years old. He passed away uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Uh, just FYI. Uh, let's see what else we got. Entries uh, for the 24 competition first. Uh now, can wine industry appeal to more younger consumers? I don't know. Uh, biodynamic bubbles. Sparkling wine producers are promoting sustainability. Uh, AI can identify wine 100% of the time. Is this the same thing? Communication to scientists? Same thing we just talked about? Yeah, it is. Uh, a article telling about it, a little bit more detail about it, but basically the same thing. AI can tell you what the wine is and where it's from. That just still makes me shake my head. Uh, the Court of Master Sommiers ditches outdated wine terms. Okay, what wine terms are we ditching there? Uh, who owns the language? Should we use the term Grand Cru? Uh, they're saying Grand Cru is a term that the French use and it should be open for others. Uh, hmm. I don't think so. Old World has traditionally been used to describe European wine countries while New World has been used to refer to Southern Hemisphere nations, such as Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and Chile, as well as the U.S. However, this belies the ancient winemaking roots of many of the latter. Can we in good faith call China a New World wine country just because China wines exports to Western countries are relatively new? Although they've been making wine for thousands of years, in the same vein, Argentina vineyards are home to ungrafted selections that come from Argentina in the late 1850s, making it challenging to describe it as new. Uh, others in the trade understand new world wines to supply mean wines that are produced in countries where vines were transported from Europe, which is the old world, to a new destination which is the new world. However, as countries increasingly embrace and champion their indigenous grapes in the face of climate change, rather than rely on the international varieties, there are some old world vines that are in the new world. So, what are you going to call them now? Uh, 
they also discussed, like I just said, whether non-French countries should be able to use the term Grand Cru, which raised question over the ownership of language, with Grand Cru essentially referring to the great vineyards or wine from a special place. Why not use it to denote superiority in wine anywhere in the world, was the question. And then they also point out the French term terror, terror has become internationalized with almost every wine-producing country using it to some extent. So why not Grand Cru? So they are looking at changing our outlook on these places. How how will we address them? People are so used to calling it old world and new world, regardless of what the roots are on these, that if these sommeliers get together, the court of master sommeliers get together and start calling it something different, everybody's going to be confused. Majorly, majorly confused. I don't know. Uh, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust has also done away with uh, the terms of what terms are we looking at here? Uh, old world and new world. They've done away with the terms old world and new world uh, as of the summer of 2022, which I never knew that. That was, you know, 18 months ago. Uh, so we're going to see some different things out there now. We're going to start being confused, I think, uh, because of this change. Um, when someone says old world, I immediately think of the middle of Europe. In new world, I think of everything else. But they're trying to change it so it doesn't mean that. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, who knows? Well, my guest never showed up tonight, never called in, never rang in. So you got to hear me stumble through a broadcast of finding things to talk about but i hope it was interesting and <laughs> worth, worth your time and yeah. i'll get a hold of the guest and see when we can get him on he wrote a book the wine list i really enjoyed his book i want to get him on the show and, and discuss it but uh, uh not tonight obviously <laughs> so we we will do it some other night. Yeah. So okay. don't forget to listen to Flightline Radio every day, all day, streaming twenty four seven. Flightlineradio.com. And uh also Mike is live every Saturday from ten to noon. And All About Wine then takes over at noon, but this Saturday, I don't know what's going to happen because we were like 17 minutes into the show before we hooked it up. So, uh, yeah, to find out if you got blank air or what's going to happen, then <laughs> tune in this Saturday to Flightline Radio. It'll still start at, at 12 o'clock. Actually, it's about a minute or two before because it it takes about a minute of a delay, but uh, it'll start at 12 o'clock, but it'll be 45 minutes long or so instead of, you know, an hour or so. So oh, I see it's just going to be a shorter. I see. It'll start in the middle. Uh, yeah. Where we start. Okay. 
Well, we didn't discuss um, anything that was noteworthy anyway at the beginning. So. No. No, we were, oh, oh we were, before I forget, too, I picked up a couple of wines when I was in Tarpon Spring. I picked up a Greek yeah. wine and uh, a wine from Croatia, the heart, wow. the home of wine. So I don't have them tonight because I thought I was going to have a guest, but uh, I'll have to tell you about them and review them in yeah. future shows. So that uh, hmm. should be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what those are like. Yeah, Because hmm. Greek wines, years ago I used to get Greek wines. They were sweet. Oh, my gosh, they were sweet. Well, they've gotten away from that, and they've you know, gotten some drier wines. And so I picked up, hmm. a, a, I think it was a red Greek wine and a white Croatian wine. So we'll we'll review those in the future. Yeah, yeah definitely. What about those, and they're authentic. It's not like you know they're yeah, going to call authentic. it. You know, yeah, it's this. Oh, well. You know, it's got the Croatian writing on it, and it's got the Greek writing on the labels. <clears throat> me. And then you know, it tells about you know importation and all that. So, yeah, they're they're the real things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We'll look forward to hearing about that, and uh, we will close the show for this Thursday, January the 18th. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate it, whether it's live or in the archives. So it's it's always good. Um, and if you have any comments or questions or you know thoughts about a future show, let us know. You can email Ron, the show host, yay, uh, at directly at allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. That's the numbers, 101, okay? All about wine, 101, 101, at gmail.com. Email them and uh, give them, you know, comments or suggestions, or if you want to be a guest, you're in the wine industry at, at some format, uh, let them know. See if we can get you on the show. And our next show will be next Thursday, January the 25th, again at 7 p.m., Eastern time right here on blog talk radio and different markets, uh, wherever we happen to be going live. <laughs> and we'll talk yeah. to you all then next Thursday. Thank you. Again. We'll see you next, next week. Weekend. Good. Be safe, yeah. be warm. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Okay. <laughs> this concludes tonight's broadcast of all about wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. That is it. We are off. We are done. Over there. Into the green room.